Hello, Dear Movie Podcast listeners. Rico Galliano here, your host. Uh, if you've been tuning in the last few weeks, you know we are five episodes into our second season titled Only in Theaters. We have been telling the stories of different cinemas that made history. We'll be back next week with the final installment of season two. But today, something special for you. It comes courtesy of our Latin American show, Movie Podcast Encuentros. Now, that show is usually in Spanish. But this bonus episode is an English-language conversation between director Apichapang Rorastakul and actor-producer Tilda Swinton, talking about their can-winning film, Memoria. They reunited in Colombia, where the film was shot, to talk about their creative processes and their experiences working together on the film. If you like what you hear and you are a Spanish speaker, subscribe to Encuentros to catch all the episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Do enjoy, and we will see you here next week. Movie and La Corriente del Golfo Podcast present Encuentros A podcast by movie An ever-changing collection of incredible hand-picked cinema A new film every single day A new conversation each episode For me to be working with you And to work in the way that we're working now Regularly, I mean, not just working on memoria For me it's not only the revelation of something new, but it's also a return to the, my roots in filmmaking. In this special episode of movie podcast Encuentros, two of international cinema's most remarkable voices come together to share and discuss the films we love. There's a monk that I listened to and, you know, he mentioned about that we shouldn't tie ourselves to, to anything. And that's so beautiful, you know, that when... Someone asked me, who are you? You know, if I can, I don't want to say, you know, that I'm a filmmaker or I'm an artist, you know, because you, you tie to that identity, you know? This conversation touches on the creative process of two of film's greatest names while working together on the film Memoria, an intimate collaboration founded on their long friendship. Apichatpong Wirasetakun is a world-renowned Thai artist and film director. The topics of dreams and death are essential to his filmography. His style raises big questions about time and our relationship with the spiritual world. Winner of the Cannes Palme d'Or in 2012, for Uncle Bumi who can recall his past lives, Wirasetakun returned to the main competition years later with Memoria, his first film shot outside of Thailand, which received the jury prize Ex Aequo. Tilda Swinton is a Scottish artist, actress and producer. She began her career performing and collaborating with experimental filmmaker Derek Jarman. She has worked with directors such as Jim Jarmusch, Wes Anderson, Luca Guadagnino, the Coen brothers and Joanna Hogg. Her performances have been characterized by the subtlety of her gestures and her magnetic presence. In 2007, she won the Academy Award for Best Performance by an Actress in a Supporting Role for the movie Michael Clayton. She has combined her acting in major Hollywood productions with a wide range of characters created by contemporary filmmakers such as Bong Joon-ho, Pedro Almodóvar, Lynn Ramsey, and more recently, Apichatpung Wirasetakun. Swinton and Wirasetakun reunited in Colombia for Memoria's release and talked about the importance of understanding that you're not in control and how cinema is an attempt to put what's inside one's head on screen, something they achieve through sound. 
you asleep? Here? Yeah. I hardly slept. Last night. I mean, I've only had one night here. I hardly slept. I woke up every two hours. Oh. Um, And is the jet lag, you think? I, I, or? Actually, I think it was more... didn't feel like jet lag. It felt like excitement. I just kept thinking, oh, is it time to get up? No. No, go back to sleep. Is it, oh, is it time to get up? Huh. I'm very... I'm very having just arrived back. I really want to get into Colombia. I really want to mm-hmm. re-enter. Um, right, right, right. Me too. I want to walk around and yeah. to see what I remember. Yeah, and just yeah. see all our friends and and be back in. This is why I'm a little bit. I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I'm a little frustrated that I'm only here for a week because mm. I want to. I want to be starting another journey here. I want to be here for months. A special episode, Being Like Water. These are the first Colombian audiences to have seen the film. Right, right. So what, could you could you gather from them um, some sense of of the nature of Colombia in the film? I mean, what was their experience? Did you they, were, they were impressed by how the film captured Bogota. Mm. You know, this heaviness and the architecture and the rains and this, that, that somehow that they sense its authenticity, mm. you know, and somebody told me nobody has been captured this, this, this mood or spirit of the town. Because this, of course, is one of the first questions that people ask us about this film. I think a, a good one because it, it, it informs the spirit of the film itself that that mm-hmm. you know why why did we make it in colombia and the story goes once upon a time that <laughs> you and i had the idea of this film or rather the germ the kind of very very nascent embryonic spirit which i believe is still there in the film that we've finally made even though we we sort of conjured it over 10 years ago this idea of a a journey and mm. of a of a response between a person and and the environment and also something about the crossroads between time and something very uh, sort of existential that came first and then colombia came after and right. people are intrigued by that and this, as the story goes just to be quite schematic about it We had been talking for a while about this idea, but not known where we were going to be. We knew quite quickly, I think, that we didn't want to be in Thailand. And, no. Mm. And, and, and one of the reasons for that, and tell me if I'm remembering it correctly, was because I was very um, cautious about you know, having established my real proper you know, desire to be in your frame. Uh, as a presence and as a performer, um, I, I was very cautious about being in your frame in Thailand because I could not figure out a way. And and then y- you agreed that it yes. was we couldn't quite understand how I could be in a Thai frame. In fact, I I tried to write, you know, with you in the frame in the pages, bef- way before memoria planning. It it's like two thousand early two thousand even. Uh, uh, no, actually, no. Only 2010-13, when I'm developing Cemetery of Splendor that takes place in my hometown. Yeah, and I I knew it, it's not working. Yeah, you know, 
even from the pages. Mm. Yeah. So. And 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 we and then I remember there was a moment when we even talked about because one of the things that resonates for me, I think, to be again very practical about it, and and it made it made me feel that it might be possible for me to be in your frame anywhere, wherever we, we was going to be, was that this attention to the kind of trauma bell ringing in a mm. in a place is something that means something to me as a scottish person it's something that i feel in scotland it's not just something that i pick up in in places that i'm not from it's also something that feels very very mm. familiar and very natural to me as a scottish person and so there was a minute when we wondered whether we might be in scotland but then quickly we realized that what we really wanted was to find a place where neither of us was from Mm-hmm. and a place that we both knew equally and then came the search of uh, you know looking at lists and lists and thinking of where it could possibly be mm-hmm. and then you came to the film festival in Cartagena and right. that was it mm-hmm. and you i remember you 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 said it's colombia <laughs> sos <laughs> yes and especially coming here in bogota to to be confronted you know with this huge mountain and Mm. Heavy clouds and and that there's certain kind of threatening feelings and something that I don't know. You know, there's something yeah. mysterious about it that I think is synchronized with what I was through at that time with this sound in my head. Mm. And I think that's why I wrote to you. And I think we embraced this idea of not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. In and fact, it's beautiful. I mean, that's very much at the heart of it. This sense of of not knowing, and that that the the person, let's say, the avatar. I hesitate to use the word character because it's really inappropriate, um, because we're not working with that kind of theatrical construct. But the person, the 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 spirit of of Jessica, who was mm. going to be moving through the film, who was going to be the the guide for the audience in this environment of Colombia. Is dealing with a mystery in her own daily life, and that that felt so right. And you had, of course, this experience of your of the bang. Talk about that first, and then we'll talk about about my experiences. So, to, to, so talk about that because that right. started after we started to consider the germ of the film. Then you started having the combination of the bang and. Mm-hmm. The insomnia were they related? I mean, which came first? Can you remember? I think the, I think it must be insomnia. Yeah, and insomnia maybe because of the work and depression, um, and the bang came. I I don't know for to rescue or something because I I feel fascinated by it. Yeah, it happened early in the morning. And just bang, and but not like in the film, oh. you know, it's not jumpy. It was, it was the idea of the sound. No? When, when it's like when you are have a conversation in yourself, it's not a sound. No, it's some. Mm. It's like a sound, but the idea yeah. in the head, yeah. And and it's progressed through the years. I think I had it for two, three years, uh, and then I. Could control it, you know, this big or small, huh. or when it's gonna come. So you could invite it. Yes, 
Yeah. But it had to start first, and okay. then and then the, oh okay, uh, the machine is running. So like a sneeze. Yes, in a way, huh. in a way. And then, curiously, there there were appearing geometric forms, you know, square huh. and a lot of circular thing like white flash in the dark with the bang. And 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 it's like animation uh, with circle and and it's like mm. getting smaller or bigger, mm. and that was uh, in the first early early draft of the film too. Mm. You know that actually Ernan at the river was full of forms, geometric mm. form mm. over him. Yeah, yeah. So so it happening during my trip in Colombia too after Catrina and. Bogota, Medellin, and so it's accompanying me mm. there. I think and you know when I see the film, there's a line in the film which, the more I see it, the more I find it resonates. When you know, for somebody to say about anything, whether it's a thought or whether it's a belief or whether it's an experience, it sounds different in my own head. It's like mm. it, that. That in itself is such a an enormous bag of wonder that mm. we as beings can try and describe things to each other. We can try and communicate, but we have to accept that we may never be able. We we right. almost certainly cannot really communicate. And I love that. I mean, that's one of the things I most love about cinema is that it's this attempt to put mm. out on the screen what is inside. Our heads, and I find myself very moved by the acknowledgement that that's impossible. It's actually mm. impossible to take outside what's in what, what right, what's right. meant to be inside. And if you look at the film, there are not many bangs actually. No, but it feels more or the idea of it. No, because once mm. you've had one, and and the first one comes within the first. Yeah. Seconds of the film, actually. Right. The audience is complicit because the audience is now literally as close as it, they can be inside Jessica's head. Right. So they're waiting. Become Jessica. So yeah. we are all of us, Jessica and the audience. I mean, particularly in the scene in the restaurant mm. where there are two bangs. There's this feeling of, and and also what I love is that there are other people. Uh, there's Jessica's sister and and and, and brother-in-law and mm. nephew, who are present, but they can't hear it. So we, the audience, and Jessica, we have this, we we're sharing this experience. Yes, mm. it's 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 very tender. The audience is waiting as well, and just as shocked as she is. Right, and and the thing is also, I, as the movie progresses, I, I feel that it's open enough as well that. Like you say, the sound is only you can hear it. Mm -hmm. Only you know. But I think also the the story, or what the the others. I mean the the the, the timeline or something. I think the audience, individual audience, feel in his or her own interpretation mm -hmm. or, or connection with Jessica. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with their own experience. So, it. Some people said to me afterwards, like it. It doesn't feel like watching a film. It mm. just experience something. Yeah. 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 Not much of a story. 
Está bien. So Thank let you. me ask you, mm. when you said that in early drafts you were thinking of replicating this visual aspect to right. the sound, this sort of fragmentation of the image and and these sort of geometric these mm -hmm. geometric shapes and things. At what point and can you remember why you decided to not do that but mm -hmm. to stick with the sound? Because I journey with the character through sound actually I, I imagined the sound as I wrote but then at that moment when this square circular thing pops up I feel distracted huh. and I feel that it's maybe how you say it's too much that I, I just feel that I uh, I mean how to create the same feeling through sound rather than you know just visualize it and how to how you say how to not um, how to how to say concretize how mm. so maybe yeah I'm just trying to imagine mm. what that would have done to me the viewer uh, I think I might have minded that some mystery might have gone because mm. because with sound there's always this question of Accuracy, interpretation—you mm -hmm. know the, the the scene in the in the sound in the recording studio is is so is such like a complete portrait of um, an artist trying to uh, get her work out of her head and interpreted. It's 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 very practical that scene mm. and and the fact that it's so difficult for her to explain and so difficult for him to interpret but he has these ways of doing it and right. uh, I think is is really beautiful but because we're dealing in the realm of sound and because as she says it sounds different in my own head <laughs> um, there's a sort of assumption that it's always going to be m mysterious or the, the question of accuracy is always going to be partial or compromised, or one's going to have to have a sense of humility around that. Mm -hmm. Whereas with visual representation, one sort of gives up that sense of mystery because it's it's there. It's, it's concrete. It's no? concrete, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But also, back to our decision to come here, mm. um, I remember when we were shooting, looking in the monitor, which of course is a, it's a, I, I, it's so ancient that I remember making films without monitors and I started when the monitor first appeared I had a again a sort of slightly confused relationship with the monitor because I think there's really? some things the monitor uh -huh. can give you and there's a lot of things you the monitor can't give you but but it can give you the frame and the frame of course is 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 everything really mm, mm, mm. and I remember all of us looking at the monitor in the first few days of shooting with you Right. And going, huh? Looks like an Apachapong film, but we're in Bogota. How is it possible? Yes, you know, this, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah and it felt uh, that. Yeah, yeah. It, it almost looked. And and at that stage, of course, because at that stage you had only worked in Thailand. Your frames were pretty much all from Thailand. Fake. I'm sorry. I no, just it's feel wonderful. Like it felt. It felt like. It felt like the jungle in Pihau. It, it's the, it's it's a. It's a new country you made for. It's the, a, you know there is a country that. 
a state. It's like I always say that cinema is a state of its own. We go to the state of cinema. Yeah, right. And 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 it's the state of Upper Chapong cinema is a doesn't matter where you are. You're in Colombia. You're in. You could no. I try to I try to escape from myself. You know because because I was in in um, Fixie right. Yeah. And they're showing clips before the ceremony. You know, give me this award, and maybe. In your year too, you know, they have this beautiful montage of past films, and I felt like, oh, it's like a funeral. Oh no, it's awful though. It was, it's really awful. One has to but, be careful with oneself at moments like that. But it's so emotional, yeah. Though. Like it oh, is. it is. I mean, the only good thing is after after looking at those obituaries, <laughs> you. I mean, one hopes that one wants to make more work. Exactly. You go, how oh, I, feel. I have only just started. I have to keep going. But that's how I felt too. That then I I thought, okay, Colombia, yeah, and I'm it's going to be a new chapter yeah. in my career. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, my editor, you know, look at the footage. Say, oh, you can you should have shot this in your backyard. No. And and. <laughs> no, I think there's two ways of reading this. That this, it, 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 I think that uh, that's the very self-deprecating and slightly. Um, Self-defeating and masochistic way of reading it. No, I think no, no. that the I think that what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that your frame is a place of its own, and I believe you could bring your frame to Scotland or to Iceland or mm. to uh, Peru or uh, to Tokyo, and 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 it would it would as we've now discovered tell us something about that place, uh -huh, uh -huh. but it's still your frame. And that's a good thing. That's a that's a very generous thing to take your frame to other places because it's it sort of merges. I I question that. I I just sorry. I just feel like I want to live like two hundred years or something. I want to I want to break out of this frame. And okay. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do time. it. Well, we will. I mean, uh, if we want to live for two hundred years, then we will. <laughs> let's do it. Because yeah. I. You know the reason coming here is also to to find uh, to stimulate myself. But of course, I discover many beautiful things, and but then maybe I need to accept that, right? Well, no, let's talk about newness then. Okay, mm. let's say what what is it that's new in Memoria that you value that um, that, that, that in t in terms of the experience of making it, and in terms of if you can objectively. Describe the film itself. What the thing is itself. The, the well, what, what's new for well, you? Well, in fact, most things yeah. are new. Okay. Yeah. But maybe the sense of the timing and the relationship of how we, you know, us and time in the film, and hmm, it's hard to say. You mean the, the rhythm? Sound. The rhythm mm -hmm. and the idea of human existence, but what news you, Colombia? I don't know how to explain it. It's such profound melancholy, mm -hmm. certain feelings, and also acceptance. Mm -hmm. In the end, well, I yeah. suppose one thing that's that's a big leap for you is simply this thing of not being in the country that you. 
were born in mm, and grew up my in. My cushion, yeah. Your cushion. And not mm. only your cushion, but your society, your social network, your social web, the web of language, the web of Thai people speaking Thai to each other and being able to express themselves. I mean, we don't have any of that in memoria because we're dealing with someone who cannot express themselves very well in Spanish. So it's mm. all very minimal. The sort of, it reminds me of what Hitchcock said about, you know, you let the camera tell the story and, and the dialogue will be atmosphere. Uh-huh. It's Hitchcockian in that sense, because the, the, the spoken language is really not that important in memoria. It's much less important than the experience. Mm-hmm. And she, as a motor, as the portrait who's motoring it, is not very creative. She's not, she's receiving. She's more receptive than creative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in your... She's, yeah, she's, she's like water. She's just blending. She's changing yeah. shapes. And, yeah. and that is very, very interesting to me. And I know that that is very interesting to you as well as a, you know, as people, that mm. state of water and that attempt to live mm-hmm. in the present. But to try and explore that in, in film, that's, that's mm. very new and very ambitious and, mm. and really exciting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I feel we've started with Memoria and I think yeah, we, yeah. we want to go on to try and examine and trace right. that, that feeling, that environment. It, it, it's more like an, ex, an environmental project rather than a narrative project mm, or it's a mindscape it's a mindscape exactly mm. so because that's I, super new and that's super new and when you think of you know your films that you've you've made in thailand they are p- speaking mm. as a non-thai person and mm-hmm. i feel when i'm watching them that there's a whole web of thai it's not just the language, but seeing the way in which the people communicate. You're with right. One you're another. right. Yeah, that there's element. No, there's something that really tied to that location and the and history. Mm. That that as a non-Thai person, I'm learning and only or, lost, yeah. or not yeah. understanding. Mm. And 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 this it, it's this feeling of a bedrock, mm. like this. What we're getting in your stories mm. is is you know. The tip of the iceberg, but under the water is this massive, you know, the the reality of Thai hist- social history, mm-hmm. which of course you and your Thai colleagues know more about than 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 I do. I think the core that I took it over is, I don't know, we can call Buddhism, but this philosophy. Of water, I think it it present in Thai film, but maybe not as much as here, mm-hmm. um, because here is is um, I say it's really singular, yeah, singular activity of just walking and yeah, discovering and that pronounced this element, and yeah, I don't know if you remember I gave you this little book, yes, which I carry Tisnat with me always. Yeah, I think yeah. he talks about that by Tisnat Han, no? yeah. Talk about being aware that you are water and you also connected with everything. You are the sky, you are the trees, yeah. and you're part of everything. Yeah. And I think that has something to do with memory as well. Yeah. Intermission. 
Movie is a curated streaming service showing exceptional films from around the globe. All of them handpicked by real people who really know movies. Every day, Movie premieres a new film. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there is always something new to discover. And if you're enjoying this conversation, we're happy to share that Memoria will stream exclusively on Movie starting this Friday, August 5, in many countries, including in most of Latin America. Germany, Italy, India, and Turkey. More details are in the show notes. You can also stream many of the films we feature in the podcast. Just look for the collection called Movie Podcast Encuentros on the Now Showing page. And to try Movie Free for 30 days, visit movie.com slash encuentros, that's M-U-B-I dot com slash encuentros for a whole month of great cinema. In this blog, Apichatpong with Asetakun and Tilda Swinton talk about some of their favorite films. A film that I hope very much that movie is going to take an interest in <laughs> is uh, Andrea Arnold's new film, Cow, which is, uh, it actually relates a lot to things that we've discussed this morning. It's a really beautiful film. I, I hesitate to call it a documentary. I'm rather like uh, attachment to labels of any kind. I'm not keen to, to call a film anything particularly. It's, a, it's a, the portrait of a cow on a dairy farm in England and um, her life. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it, it's shot at cow height. So you are really with her. Mm -hmm. and uh, all through it actually the very first sequence is one of her calves being born this calf is being born opens its eye for the first time into the lens of Andrea's camera you can imagine what the end is so I won't spoil it but it's about the life of a cow and it's very strong and very poetic and and tough it was in Cannes right? it was in Cannes no, for me, I hmm, I stopped seeing film for a while. Mm. I, somehow, so my I say my favorite ones are mostly old ones. Mm. Let me think. There's so many though. I like the um, the conversation mm. by Coppola. It's 1974, and the fact that I there's a sentence in the film that link to a murder of this couple or, or about to that what Gene Hackman think about that I couldn't understand as a Thai villain because what, what is would they talk about you know uh, and then Gene Hackman also trying to find you know try to rewind, rewind and also to um, manipulate the, the machine to to make the sound clearer and even when he understood, I, I didn't. So I, I kept watching this film over and over. And then I discovered other things in the film, you know, the craft of Coppola. And yeah, so, it, and instantly it's about sound and mm. it's about how, you know, the illusion, elusive quality of it. And yeah, so that's one. So another, which is not only one of my favorite films of all time, but also has recently been, had a new print made by the BFI is Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger's I Know Where I'm Going, 
which I always describe as one of the greatest Scottish films ever made, but of course it's made by an Englishman and a Hungarian. And it's 1942, and it's set in the on the northwest coast of Scotland, and it's about trying to get to an island. And it so happens that the island that they're trying to get to in the film is based on, in fact, there's a map in the film of the island. And even though in the film it's called Kiloran, the map shows the island that I've known all my life. It's like a family island that we, my family has always gone to, my grandfather always went to. And um, it's a really, really beautiful film about Scottish romanticism and it's about being blown off course because there's a storm and the things that this very willful young woman wants are interrupted because of nature and mm -hmm. she is brought into contact with a kind of mystical experience in in, in Scotland which is very dear to me mm. uh, it's a really beautiful film and a war film made in the war and there's a way of reading it also which is very political it's only on sort of second or third reading that one picks up on the fact that these wealthy english people have taken these places for rent in in scotland to avoid the bombing in london or the mm -hmm. bombing in in the north of england and and the impoverished aristocrats scottish aristocrats are off fighting uh, fascism mm. uh, it's an incredible film another one for me is timing liang uh, goodbye dragon in is a portrait of this old cinema in i think in taipei that resonate with me very much because this giant theater you know that in my youth there are several of them six seven and when I was, I don't know, when I was 30 years old, you know, they're all gone. Mm. Yeah, and we now have Cineplex, it's smaller screen, different ritual. So Goodbye Dragon is, is really linked with, with those time in my life. And the film, you know, happened to the course of this one martial art film, you know, from start to finish, you know, real time. And he used the real uh, King Hu film, and you see glimpse of it sometimes, wow. sometimes from the side, and the whole film is raining. Ah, you you can hear this rain outside, the rain from inside. It's it's almost like it's like never-ending tears. Ah, uh, it's so moving uh. for me. And there's a few audiences in the theater, mysterious. Sometimes appear, sometimes disappear, mm. to do the kind of browse. How do you call it? In the bathroom, you know, mm -hmm. kind of check checking one each other out, and you know, and some some just disappear. Sometimes just appear. They are like ghosts mm. popping in and out, and yeah. I was just remembering that actually the first piece of work that you and I collaborated on was mm. our film festival in Yanoi right. in what year? I'm very bad at years. <gasps> oh, me too. So oh, I don't know. Uh, 2011 or something? something. Or yeah, 12? That's, that doesn't sound wrong. Yeah, something around then. Yeah. Um, and we co-curated a film festival on this 
island Yanoi of Thailand. And one of the days we had an open air cinema for the village in a rice paddy, you remember? Yes. And then we had a, 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 these actors, quite well-known actors came down from Bangkok mm. and they live dubbed it. And it right. was an absolute riot. It was fantastic. It was like complete. It was like a rock concert, wasn't it? Mm. It's a it, performance. It no, was a like huge a performance, and in this rice paddy, and uh, this field with all the villagers there, it was great. That's mad. It festival. was <laughs> mad festival. How did we do it? It was great. We even had a. We called it film on the rocks and on the last night mm. we had this uh, we had film projected against these beautiful rocks we all went out on boats and we were on a floating platform watching mm -hmm. film projected on the rocks it was insane you were showing i think i showed another of my favorite films which is a film from 1933 by um henry hathaway Mm -hmm. Peter Ibbotson with Gary Cooper, right. which is was the film fetish of what a film fetish of the surrealists. It's about uh, about meeting in dreams. Mm -hmm. It was actually mm -hmm. it was a little seed of memoria as well because it was about people who are irrevocably separated and cannot be together in the flesh, meeting in each other's dreams and sending mm. each other's messages in the dreams. It's so sexy mm. and yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not sexy at the same time. It feels like I think these two characters is like friends, no? From the well, they, knew, they, met, they meet when they're they basically fall in love when they're eight, mm. and then they're separated, and then they find each other again, and mm. then they're separated again forever, but mm. they meet in their dreams. Yeah, it's a sort of ghost story in a way. I like when he walk out of the jail cells, like super special effects yeah. for me. Yeah, 1933. And there was a lot of dancing at that film festival as well. It's like from another talk about memories. Wow, <laughs> that feels a long time ago. And I like German's blue, actually. I saw it when I was in Chicago and I, I didn't understand much. I mean, it, it was it was like a dream to me, again, mm. a dream. It's a flurry of memories. And the thing is, during the projection, the film caught fire. That's happened. That used to happen a lot with Derek. Really? That happened when we showed L the Last of England in v in Venice, and yeah. no, everybody oh. thought it was part of the film. <laughs> I thought that yeah. because it's at certain point it's not blue. It's transformed, you know, like change color and then um, amber and then wow. black. Wow. Yeah, and and silent. So it was uh, it was. Uh, experience well yeah. the, you know blue was originally a concert it wasn't it was an experience it wasn't a, a film mm. we did a series of blue concerts right. um and then after the fact we we you know derek decided to make it as a film he was losing his sight at that time and mm -hmm. he blue was kind of all he could see um and actually simon fisher turner who's my great friend and comrade who did all the music for for derek's films he and i are working together still forever mm. um there are going to be some blue concerts in december but listen listen to mm. the sound of the wind in the in that fantastic tree up there uh yeah so so blue goes on we're this gonna, december yeah we're going to do some more where at um i think in paris and i'm not quite sure but huh. Yeah, it, it rolls on. Part 2
some, it's, it's like a rumble from the core of the earth. Bang. And, and then, then it shrinks. You just listened to an excerpt of Memoria by Apichatpong Wirasetakun. How, how did you feel when you first saw the film? Is that, I think it's a cut that's really similar to the, the yeah, final film. Yeah, it's, it's, it's sim it was similar in terms of its shape. There were some, you know, effects that weren't there. Mm. The effects at the end weren't there. They were indicated, but they weren't fully there. And of course, uh, it has to be said, it's one thing to see on a relatively small screen and it's another thing to see it on that beautiful screen in Cannes with that sound system so right. I feel very blessed to have had that as my second screening and uh, you know uh, of course we have to urge everybody to go and see it in, on as big a screen as possible I just feel that the, the, the experience in Cannes was like my first actually because I try to think why you know it's different from when I check in the theater in Thailand um And I think maybe it's because of the people. Yeah. To sitting among, you know, the crowd and together, you know, anticipating this and to, to join the journey. Yeah. I mean, I've sat in that room many times and the attention of the audience for that screening was quite exceptional. I, mm. It, mm. It, was, it was so quiet that I wondered that whether they were going to suddenly all stand up and walk out because they were horrified or, I mean, it was, it was, or they were all they were suddenly going to be a collective snore. I mean, it was one or the other because they were so still and so locked. I now realize because the response was so welcoming afterwards, but I think they were in an experience mm -hmm. uh, so totally. And of course... I, I hope that might have been the case two years ago when we were hoping to show the film. But yeah. but this particular can, that particular audience this year, having not been able to show it last year when we intended to show it, can having been postponed. And this audience was so grateful, I felt. I mean, I felt it throughout the entire festival, but there's something very beautiful going on right now, I have mm. to say, with big cinema it's people were so nervous for a while that we were yes. never going to be able to go back into the big cinema and so to go back in and to everyone's been so thirsty for so long they're like <laughs> drinking it up it's like we were kids again no totally like... enchantment is the word i yeah. felt that it was an enchanted audience and that's a great spirit to go into mm. this particular film because this film is really asking of you that you mm. leave everything outside yes. and you just dive in you told me during the shooting that you know joe you know in other filmmakings maybe hollywood or something is is not like this you know the the way that uh, you or john or other people work you know but how, how do you feel because for me it's I feel like a friend and mm. but still I know that you invest so much time for this film you know to be in Colombia for I don't know months and go to Pihau and live you well know. you know Joe I mean it's for me and this is a very you know quite an intense thing to say but for me to be working with you and to work in the way that we are working now 
regularly. I mean, not just working on Memoria, but now continuing our work together and talking about the future. For me, it's not only the revelation of something new, but it's also a return to the, my roots in filmmaking. Because the way I started to work as a filmmaker was with Derek Jarman in a very similar way. And I worked with him for nine years in this way. And so it's a really blessed thing after all this time and all mm. these sort of skirmishes and interesting adventures I've been on with other filmmakers and in a variety of really disparate filmmaking mm. environments. It, it's a homecoming for me to work with you. It's all the, the way in which you work, the, the way in which you make it possible for me to work and all our colleagues, it's, it's the thing that I started with and it's the thing mm -hmm. that I love the most. And so it's both what's, what's old about it is very natural and very, mm. and very comfortable, but what's new about it is just this revelation that it's still there. Mm. And so for me, it's uh, beyond a blessing to, to be working with you. It's about the filmmaking environment, what, what Derek taught, taught all of us didn't teach us but just exposed us to was that it's all about the process and it's about this community it's a collective experience not just right. collective with the filmmakers but also with the audience mm -hmm. and that's what you bring with you and what you're interested in as i understand it your relationship with your audience and and your relationship with all of us as filmmakers with you is very similar very very mm. akin to the way derek as a director, which again is a word that I feel I have a kind of ambivalence about because one thing again that we learned with Derek was that we are all filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And yes, at oh, a certain point yeah. one has to figure out, you know, you're the director and I'm the performer and someone else is the costume designer and someone else is going to hold the boom. Mm -hmm. But actually we are all filmmakers and we are all working together. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a thing that, that I really cherish and probably the yeah. reason that I, I'm still interested in, in, in working, I suppose. And I was thinking, what do the feel, you know, would you, did you feel lost as, as I was, you know, that what is this film, you know, what am I doing here? And, or being in this tunnel, which is very hard for me, I, I mm. admit that is, I, I lose many times this, direction in that place because it's full of dust mm. and sound and something that I, I sometimes couldn't focus mm. and I was always thinking about you yeah in particular like how would you what do you anchor on during the shoot yeah I think since you used the word um, if I felt lost I, I, I enjoy feeling lost I, I think I found that and I really enjoyed, yeah, the lack of, uh, th that we had, that you gave me and that we together encouraged ourselves to be modest in our gestures and, and to, to look for modest gestures and to really enjoy the simplicity of pres just presence. For me, that's such a relief. And, and as I say, I think it's, it's not a relief because it's something new that I've never experienced. I think it's something that I really, really like and 
I've always loved and is something very, very old established for me. It, it means that I can be light, just be light, not have to carry. I mean, it, it reconnected me with a, a, a sense of quietness. I mean, I'm, mm. uh, as you know, uh, knowing each other, being, being close friends, uh, I'm actually a quiet person. And, I, and in, the, in the world of filmmaking, I've had to encourage myself to be more, just more connected and more social than I think naturally I would. Uh, I think I, I, and so Jessica was like a, an oasis of quietness for me. And that also goes for her lack of biographical detail or any of that sort mm -hmm. of burden, just mm -hmm. her being this, this ghost presence mm -hmm. moving through spaces. That, for me, that was really just delicious. I loved that. So, yes, if I felt lost, that's something I want to feel. Mm. Don't really n like knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> mm. I try no. not to as much as possible. <laughs> For me, it's a discovery because I know you as you, and when I wrote it, it I I don't know who this person is. Mm. You know, there's a link of Jessica Holland in I Walk with a Zombie, mm. but of course here she's more active. And then I think I, I kind of slowly discover together, or maybe with this character that you deliver for me, you know, through spaces and. I don't know. How do you feel? Maybe you, you didn't know either, this person? I, it's funny because I realize, because we were together in uh, Doha, mm. uh, in Qatar, at the um, Qumra, the, the sort of encounter workshop there. And we were developing all the time this, it wasn't even the ideas, it was the environment. We were always looking for a kind of way of working. Mm. And I remember there, talking in general about my kind of sheepishness because uh, uh, I was asked to, to, to give a so-called masterclass about performance and or, or even worse being an actor which is something that I feel very awkward about because I don't really identify as an actor because I have nothing really to say about acting I'm not really interested in it um, even though I'm aware that I have been popping up in films roughly speaking, described as an actor for over 30 years. So I, I realized it's that, you know, I haven't really got much of a leg to stand on in this, but I tried to explain in the course of this uh, masterclass what I really felt about, what, not even what my task is, but what my interest is. And I remember you finding that useful in developing the mm. idea of how we might work together and also what this portrait of Jessica might be. So that mm -hmm. she's not a character. I mean, I think of her as a predicament, really. It's the portrait of someone in a predicament. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. it. There's really nothing else that we really provide. We provide a series of circumstances. She's an alien in the sense that she's an outsider in the country. She also, very importantly, doesn't speak the language fluently. I find that very significant and and a very fruitful and rich territory. Mm -hmm, I'm, mm -hmm. as you know, very interested in, in articulacy, and I like the portrait of someone who can't express themselves with words very well, because then it opens up a whole vista of other ways of expressing, with mm -hmm. movement, 
with silence, with the way in which they listen, the way in which they respond. It makes them much less active in a way. Right. And so having talked about this and and having realized that this was something that in general I was interested in, I think you then took that after Kumla, after this experience in Doha, and you kind of, then you developed the path, let's say, mm -hmm. not the character, but the path of the journey of, of, of Jessica. And I was, mm -hmm. I was so grateful to you that you didn't even, you weren't interested in explaining anything about her history or, you know, there's very, very tangential details about, we know that she's been an orchid farmer somewhere in a finca outside Medellin. That's all we know. Right. And there's talk of her husband and there's talk of his death certificate and he's referred to twice. That's it, no? That's it. Mm. And I love that because that that just brings up so much possibility. Es como una bola enorme de concreto que cae en un fondo de metal rodeada de agua de mar. You just listened to an excerpt of Memoria by Apichatpong Wirasetakun. I mean, mm. I've said many times and it continues to be true that I think when I think of performances, when I think of, of, of what, what present, it's more presences, what presences, what cinematic presences, you know, sometimes I'm asked, what's the most inspiring performance you can think of? I always think of the donkey in Bresson's Bresson, oh, yes. I think of the, you know, Bresson talked about models, he didn't talk about actors, and he didn't, and, 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 and he, he was looking for a kind of animal presence. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that, those are my words. I'm, I'm putting them into his mouth. I, he, I, I, I'm looking for an animal presence. And when I, when I see the kind of presence that the, don the donkey, or let's face it, the, probably there were several donkeys, but they all, go, they all add together in, mm -hmm. in, the, in the shooting of the film to add up to the performance of Balthazar. There's something that that... There's a noise in the background, but I'm going to keep going um, because I'm going to, because everybody knows that we're sitting in a garden in Bogota. <laughs> Just wanted to mention. <laughs> um, but that the presence of that donkey, all that donkey is doing is experiencing. Experiencing. Just experiencing. And that's really good for the audience. Uh, there's something the audience gets mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from that, which I love the opportunity to try and give them in a portrait of something like Jessica. And I hope that when the audience is watching Jessica, they at least stop wondering about what she's thinking or, mm -hmm. or what her story is. I hope that at a certain point, they give that up and they yes. just, mm -hmm. they can be with her and they can just, their ears open and they listen and they look and they, they just experience with her. Yeah, I think animal is is a big point too, because I'm I'm reading uh, one guru now and a philosopher and and he mentioned about being just experiencing that you mentioned, and sometimes I wonder if it's possible, yeah. you know, to to 
to live our life like that without mm. memory, actually, without concept, you know, that shape us how we approach situation, you know, and and I don't know. I I think during this time last past year, I and you too were with dogs, yeah, our dogs, and yeah. for me, I. I observe them. Oh, they are teachers. I mean, yeah. really, that's again. It sounds like a highly kind of pretentious thing to say, but truly, practically, they are our teachers. Yeah. And you know, yeah. um, another, another sort of key for me in touching this kind of experience is my experience of grief. And mm. I remember when when we were developing Memoria. You you had the autobiographical uh, contribution of your bang and your insomnia and and during the years that that we were developing the the project i experienced the death of my father in particular mm-hmm. my mother in fact also my mother and i talked to you about m- what grief what the experience of grief was for me and um i think that informed mm-hmm. the project because in a nutshell my i think you know everybody experiences grief differently but for me it was the, the first thing i could say was that it was as if all narrative stopped mm-hmm. what do you mean i mean they... that's the trauma for me in the first instance of bereavement is that mm. you lose i lost my attachment To narrative, I lost my way with how the days, the years, the I couldn't visualize. You know, so the person dies, and I could not figure out what the next week was going to be, what the next year was going to, what the next month was going to be. I was, in a way. Brought into the present moment by grief, it was really productive in that way. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was very practical. It was you know, and whenever anybody I know is is bereaved, I I always uh, suggest to them that they go mm-hmm. really carefully with themselves through every hour of every day because that feeling of discombobulation, that feeling of dislocation, is very strong, and it can be really confusing. Now. As I understand it, this is what this pandemic—the last two years, let's face it—of mm-hmm. <laughs> the pandemic continue. has been for mm. all of us. It's been a sort of grief, grief experience because we haven't been able to stay connected to. Oh, next next summer yeah. I'm going to go on holiday in Berets. Next next winter my daughter's going to get married. All of that has just been cut, and we have been taken back to living. Each day, each hour at a time, and I think a lot of people have found that really challenging and frightening, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because society kind of lives by its web, doesn't it? And mm-hmm. and but so I've experienced the last two years as sort of grief light, <laughs> if you like. Yeah, but when you grieve for someone, you know, I think in your case, were you also Thinking about death, like dying, in terms of your own mortality. Yeah. And I mean, I'm talking specifically. I mean, I've 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 experienced um, grieving for people younger, 
-hmm. think grieving for people who die um, earlier in their lives is a different thing. I, I experience it differently because, of course, then what you're dealing with is carrying or the the fantasy of oh they died too young and then you have all this fantasy of what they would have done as an old person and you know there's in a way that's a security blanket because you can retain that fantasy mm-hmm. and it sort of keeps you warm for a bit sometimes out of a sense of outrage or a sense of but you you, you keep the the narrative Right. going in your mind oh what what a wonderful old man Derek Jarman would have been or how many films he would have made or whatever mm. but when someone is very very old that's a different challenge and it's almost a sharper challenge I find because you don't have the comfort when when my father was 93 he was at the end of the track I mean mm-hmm. you couldn't say oh you know gosh what he would have done with another 20 years no I mean he was really a, an animal reaching the end of the line. And that's, that, of course, ties you in as well. You go, oh, I'm going, I hope I get, you know, I, I hope I get, go out like that. I mean, that's kind of, he, he had a blessed mm-hmm. passing. It was, it was beautiful. And, it was, mm-hmm. and I had, you know, I, I read the Tibetan book of living and dying a lot while I was with him, while he, mm-hmm. while he was dying. And it's a very tortuous and sort of, you know, it's a piece of work. Right, right. But it also can be liberating. Entirely. No, to, ex- to embrace that, that we, it's the nature that, yeah. uh, how you say, because I think that is such a powerful mm, event that, yeah. that we will or get there but we try not to think about it all the time but but and that's such a waste right but i mean if we accept it and we think yeah. about it yeah or practice even you know like it's like a holiday or it's like yeah. something we look forward to yeah, i totally. mean it will kill something, this myth and a, a, something to prepare for you know mm. and of course again it's banal to say because it's so obvious but the closest mm. anybody who's who's had this experience that i was so blessed to have of of, 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 of he- helping somebody to 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 die as it were um to to support them while they went through the process uh, mm-hmm. if the closest thing it comes to in my experience is birth it's exactly mm. like waiting for a child <laughs> yeah. you know very 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 similar you're sort of waiting for this transformation to take mm-hmm. place and for this beginning and uh, right right and and as you say, it, it brings up this question in your mind: How do I want to? How do I want to go? And 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 how? What can I do to prepare for that? It's so linked with what you mentioned before about you don't feel like you're an actor, you know, because I, you know, there's a monk that I listened to, and you know, he mentioned about that we shouldn't tie ourselves to to anything, and that's so beautiful, you know that. When someone asks me, "Who are you?" you know, if I can, I don't want to say, you know, that I'm a filmmaker or I'm an artist, you know, because you you tie to that identity, you know. Exactly. And then when you get whatever order or you incapable of doing what you do or you think you your identity is, you become you collapse, you know, yes. you you just lose this self that oh. One day I cannot make a film, and what should I live for? You know, yeah. so that's the danger of 
yeah. attachment to this yeah. idea of career. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that is the same. No, if if we just accept that, you know, we don't we we just not identify with this body, mm. with this idea mm. of we are we, you know. But mm. but if we just liberate, like okay, we are the trees. We are part of this environment, you know. Yeah. And then one day we just yeah. Change. Yeah, we transform. But then yeah. again, we are all dying all the time, every day. That's what. That's the point. Mm. Is that it's it's all ongoing. It's not like there's a some kind of hard edge to any of this. Right, right. There's not. There's no decision. It's not. I think. I think there's so much attachment to the idea of will that we have. We have it in our power to to decide to. Mm. Become old, or to decide not to become old, or to decide to mm. recognize that we're dying. It's happening. You know, this—it's it, it, never ending. Ch -ch Changes. It's mm. just all we've got. And um, I'm so want to make a film about this <laughs> again. To to really, actually, it's for a reminder, not to self reminder, and so to people. Mm, but I think that. that Children know this. I, again, it's like what I was saying about, about, you know, finding working with you is for me a reminder of something very elemental for me. Um, I think children know all the things we're talking about. Mm. They know about changes because they have to experience changes again on a daily basis. And they have to have a kind of, yeah, humility about change because... And, and, and then this point comes when society encourages us to become more fixed or to attach ourselves to things and take pride in our ability mm -hmm. to be willful and in control. But it's really a, a, a mirage. It's not true. We're not in control. Right, right. And to know that is, for me, happiness. Complete to, happiness. Yeah. And it, mm -hmm. is, it is connected to what we were talking about, about the state of Jessica in this film. Mm -hmm. This thing of her being like water, her being... And I use this phrase, uh, you know, for a reason, out of control. She is not actually the... She doesn't know when this bang is coming. She's, she knows that she wants to buy a fridge. That's almost... <laughs> that's it. That's probably on her list of willful actions. That's almost... Yeah. And, and the fact that she goes to visit Jeanne Balibar's um, portrait is is mm. that's a decision she makes but even that is introduced to her by someone else she she's following the river and yeah. but she decides she wants to go and buy a fridge that's almost <laughs> the only thing really that she decides in the in the but, film but she's <laughs> confronting with death all the time no yeah. and 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 in fact resisted a bit you know when she buy a fridge for this dying orchid and yeah. you know look at this skeleton you know there's always reminder of yeah. time yeah. you know of yeah. demise and yeah yeah so so i think you can look at it in different ways and and that's so, so nice to discover yeah. yeah but there's also this this very 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 tender moment for me in the film is is when old elkin the older hernan by the mm. river when he when he dies in front of her and she asks him what was it like mm -hmm. and he says what and she he says she says uh, death and he says i just stopped yeah, i mean nothing I nothing just stopped. just stopped it's it's incredibly resonant that mm -hmm. it's it's the wisest thing i can imagine anybody saying about death it's, that's mm. what it is just stop and and for her that's that's a real contribution because mm -hmm. if if 
if we're reading her as someone who is negotiating grief, it's really useful for her to have that perspective. Right, right. For me and for the team members, it's such a um, a gift when we were shooting um, many scenes, and the last scene in particular is that the last scene of our shooting. It with was you? the last when scene that we shot. That yeah, emotional long take. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I don't know how you did it, but I mean, I I guided you, but I feel that it's not me. It's something that. Um, How you say that all of us, you know, we were sitting there, and I remember when it's, we say cut, many of the team are in tears. Mm. You know, it's such a, a, a an experience to to witness mm. that, yeah. And then when cut, like you, you just come back. Mm. You just went to see the piglets. Mm. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, that was so <laughs> wonderful that while we were shooting. For the over those days, the, all these piglets were being born. I think eventually it was something like 26. Or, I mean, it's this oh, massive, never-ending, never-ending. And in between every take, I would go and see how many more there were. And it was, but it was also seemingly felt absolutely organic that this scene was very much about death somehow. But mm. it, there were these piglets being born, and pigs, of course, are, you know, am, am among my more favorite animals on the planet, and. Uh, I identify <laughs> with pigs. I don't know if it makes any sense. I don't know what you can do with that. But, but we never had a chance to talk like this. No, it's lovely. Thank you. Thank you for. Thank you. No, actually, it's fantastic. I think it's great. You've been very, very generous with everyone. And, and you know, um, yeah. Every conversation Joey and I have is more seeds for another film. So thank <laughs> you for massaging even more the next one. Encuentros, a podcast by Movie, an ever-changing collection of incredible hand-picked cinema, a new film every single day, a new conversation each episode. Check out season one and two of Movie Podcast Encuentros, a podcast in Spanish by Movie and La Corriente del Golfo Podcast. Twelve episodes that pair of prominent Latin American voices who engage in lively, in-depth conversations about cinema and culture. Movie Encuentros is available worldwide across all podcast platforms. You can also listen to it at lacorrientedelgolfo.net, where you'll find a series of complementary materials. We hope you enjoyed this special episode of Encuentros by Movie, our very first podcast in English, with Apichat Pongwirasetakun and Tilda Swinton. Idea, F. Cacarel, Sandra Gómez, John Barrenechea, and Ricardo Giraldo. Production and conceptual supervision, Ricardo Giraldo. Executive producers, F. Cacarel, Sandra Gómez, John Barrenechea, Diego Luna, Gael García Bernal, and Paula Moro. Sound design, Javier Umpierrez. Music score, Andrés Solís. Research, script and transcriptions, Andrés Suárez. 
Production coordinator, script and transcriptions, Fernando Peña. Recording in Bogotá, Camilo Martínez. Voice, Elvira Lisiaga. Special thanks to Diana Bustamante, Mateo Suárez, Jaylee Antonio, Talk Talk Comunicaciones, and Marty Stewart Minick. This conversation was recorded at Hotel Casa Legado in Bogotá. La Corriente del Golfo Podcast and Movie, Copyright 2022.